What the f***? Yes, you heard that right. What the Why is an all-new conceptual talk show brought to you by the neuromarketing development producers of the corporate. Bridging continents on current affairs and business between Europe and Asia Pacific. Reporting from our headquarters in Brussels, the heart of European politics and Singapore, ranked first worldwide for the ease of doing business by the World Bank. In this episode, our reporters from Singapore and Brussels analyze the initial policy responses of Southeast Asian nations grappling with the rapid spread of the novel coronavirus. Using Singapore as a model, right when the World Health Organization declared the outbreak a pandemic, up till the viruses spread to more than 190 countries around the world. One of the main issues they will address in this episode is how companies can survive with the disaster recovery and business continuity strategy, and if Asia's 21st century competencies may be used as a model to outmaneuver the global pandemic. There is no hero here with a vaccine or any country that can save the day in Hollywood or Bollywood fashion. This is real. Much is being said about the losses, the drama, the social and institutional frictions in countries with little to no preparation. Global media has barely spoken about little else these days, and the corporate is here to trump out myths and conspiracy theories. Pun possibly intended. What the Why is an educational concept formulated from the core of corporate's methodologies and best-selling author Simon Sinek. Inspired by the world-famous communicational mishaps spanning across languages and continents, the corporate investigates the science of the big F-word euphemism. Why? We're basically BBC-like newscasters, just a little more fun-sized and flavorsome. Folks, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. So why take ourselves so seriously when we already have to deal with the serious issues? We represent the corporate team from our headquarters in two continents the heart of European politics, Brussels, home to the EU's most important institutions, such as the European Commission, European Council, and European Parliament, as well as Singapore, ranked first worldwide for the ease of doing business by the World Bank since 2012. In his book, La Peste, The Plague, Albert Camus writes, pestilence is so common. There have been as many plagues in the world as there have been wars, Yet plagues and wars always find people equally unprepared. When war breaks out, people say, it won't last, it's too stupid. Yet it seems that the human cost of the coronavirus outbreak has continued to mount as of end April 2020. Just the beginning of quarter two, with more than 2 million cases confirmed globally and more than 185,000 people known to have died from the disease. The good news is, more than 700,000 people have survived the coronavirus. And with this, experts are hoping a century-old technique used for treating epidemics may hold new promise for treating COVID-19 patients. It's the much-talked-about treatment called convalescent plasma. The question doctors and researchers are asking is this. Can the blood of a recovered coronavirus patient be donated to help others who are sick? People who have been infected with the coronavirus can begin to form antibodies in a matter of days after becoming infected. These antibodies are tailor-made by the immune system to fight the novel coronavirus and are felt to be a key component of recovery. Antibodies are believed to work by neutralizing the virus. 
While there is no guarantee that antibodies to this new virus actually provide immunity, scientists are hopeful that once someone produces antibodies to the coronavirus, those antibodies may offer some protection. From the Wall Street in the U.S. to the streets of Vietnam in Southeast Asia, this was far from anyone's initial expectation, making Camus' sentence a fitting description to the world's current predicament. I'm Christian Madsen as your host in this episode. Analyzing Asia and the world, here are Corporate's Natasha from the Brussels headquarters and Kevin from our Singapore office. This episode of What the Why is brought to you by our corporate client, Credence, a financial advisory organization of Great Eastern, the largest agency with the highest percentage of MDRT and MDRT aspirants per advisor, transforming lives beyond finance. What the Why? In just 15 minutes. At the beginning of March, Asia accounted for more than 60% of coronavirus-related deaths. Within a week, attention shifted to Europe, with Italy and Spain the new global hotspots. Although the region still accounts for more than half of global deaths, the focus has now turned to the US, where the death toll remains consistently high. Crises necessitate creative solutions, and so we would be foolish not to look into opportunities in these unique times. Mankind needs to push forward, especially when under such pressure. Inventiveness, adaptation, and maybe even the instinct to protect and preserve ourselves, these collectively force us to recognize new opportunities, whether to cater to the immediate economic aspects of companies and the people's livelihoods or to invest in the preparedness to deal with similar events in the future. Regardless of one's economic philosophy, the global reach of this virus should now more than ever encourage continuous collaboration between individuals and between the public and private sectors. COVID-19 continues to spread rapidly around the world, with countries at different stages of the pandemic. Some that were effective at initial containment, however, such as Singapore and Hong Kong, have seen resurgence and are implementing a additional measures to address it. Meanwhile, many countries in Western Europe are seeing the number of new cases plateau or begin to decline, debating the right approach to reopening their economies. Some countries appear to be at the peak of infection and are urgently building surge capacity in their health systems. In other parts of the world, the number of cases is rising rapidly. Countries such as Russia and Turkey are seeing acceleration. India too has experienced an increase in the number of cases since the beginning of April and has evolved its response strategy including the nationwide lockdown. The COVID-19 outbreak began in Asia, but so have early indications of containment, new protocols and the resumption of economic activity. Although the risk of another outbreak remains, economic activity indicators in China suggest that urban activities are returning to pre-outbreak levels. Traffic congestion and residential property sales are close to where they stood in early January 2020. Air pollution and coal consumption have returned to 74 and 85% respectively of their January 1 levels. At this moment, strong public health responses in China, Singapore and South Korea appear to have been successful. Significant evidence indicates that the curve of cumulative confirmed COVID-19 patients in Asia is becoming flatter. As companies in the region resume activity, they may be the world's first to shape the next norma. What will that look like? 1. Asia could be the future of work and consumption. The crisis has propelled new technology across all aspects of Asian life, from e-commerce to remote working and learning tools, including Alibaba's DingTalk, 
WeChat Work, and Tencent Meeting. New working and shopping practices will probably become a permanent fixture of the next normal. 2. Asia is an example of mobilizing resources at speed and scale. Within weeks, China added tens of thousands of doctors and hospital beds. Several governments invested in new tools to map transmission and rolled out huge economic stimulus plans. Asia has a proven ability to mobilize resources in a crisis. 3. There could possibly be a shift from globalization to regionalization. The pandemic has exposed the world's risky dependence on vulnerable nodes in global supply chains. China, for example, accounts for about 50 to 70% of global demand for copper, iron ore, metallurgical coal, and nickel. We could see a massive restructuring as production and sourcing moves closer to end users and companies localize or regionalize their supply chains. Let's look at Singapore, a global financial and economic hub that sits astride the meeting point of the strategically vital Malacca Strait and the South China Sea. Despite its small size, the island city-state of 6.2 million people is a heavyweight in regional and international affairs. Singapore was a British colony, an anthropod for more than a century. Following World War II, as the British Empire unraveled, Singapore gained considerable autonomy in the 1950s and in 1963 joined the Federation of Malaysia. The marriage was short-lived, however, amid growing tensions between Malay nationalists and predominantly ethnic Chinese supporters of Singapore's People's Action Party PAP, Malaysia expelled Singapore in 1965 and the rest is a magical story of how Singapore's 21st century competencies is a global model of success today. We will hear from an interview with Professor Lim Chong Ya. In a similar vein, we argue that Singapore COVID-19 landscape may be a model of success. However, what is becoming clearer is that the impact of this pandemic will be hard-hitting and long-lasting in Southeast Asia, along with much of the rest of the world. Countries that earlier stood out as global leaders in flattening the curve are now grappling with massive new outbreaks. Singapore, for example, is grappling with a new wave of cases tied to its large migrant worker population. For other countries, such as Indonesia and the Philippines, the slow government response to the crisis and weaknesses in their public health systems are beginning to take a toll. The economic impact will be massive for a region that is widely under lockdown and heavily dependent on trade and tourism. Southeast Asia has been hit hard by the novel coronavirus, with a surge of new cases over the past week in Indonesia, the Philippines, Malaysia, Myanmar and Singapore. Only Thailand and Vietnam saw the number of daily cases drop, indicating they may be making progress in flattening the curve. Even with this recent surge, the number of cases in many countries is still at the early stages of what is likely to be a steeply rising curve. The region's vulnerability to the spreading pandemic is unsurprising given the geographic proximity and close trade and tourism linkages to China. Like other regions that have been heavily impacted, including Europe, Northeast Asia and the United States, we are witnessing a range of country experiences in Southeast Asia based on the onset of the crisis, initial government responses, the capacity of public health systems and the broader societal and political factors. Singapore got off to a very early start in responding to the initial outbreak, which initially seemed to have kept the epidemic under control. One of the first to shut down travel with China back in early February, he enacted extensive surveillance, monitoring, contact tracing and isolation of those infected or in contact with the disease. Singapore relied on widespread temperature taking, testing, meticulous contact tracing and targeted quarantine measures for confirmed cases, those in contact with them and returning travellers. Singapore has also utilised high-tech tools to trace the virus, such as mobile apps that aid in contact tracing and develop its own testing kits and antibody tests. These measures were sufficient in the early months of the crisis to enable Singapore to remain largely open for business, with schools and businesses operating more or less normally. Although travel was difficult due to
due to the mandatory two-week self-quarantine for visitors or returning citizens. However, several companies are not silently watching. They have adapted like chameleons to the situation and stretched their brand, reshuffled their production lines and catered to new needs. In short, they have listened to the market and taken a risk or two, making COVID-19 the main propeller for new growth in some sectors and reviving dormant potential in others. Even the judiciary system in China is going online. Filings and hearings are increasingly digitized, which could enhance the speed of executing work and get rid of some of the backlog. In the realm of productivity, we have seen a strong rise in cloud services for collaborations, solutions to minimize paperwork and physical contact, reimbursement apps and digital solutions for accounting, and the growth of contactless devices for an infinite amount of environments. If there is a single takeaway from the recent crisis that have impacted businesses the world over, including in China, it is the importance of having a clear and well-understood disaster recovery and business continuity strategy in place. One would think that DRBC only comes in place when earthquakes or floods or nuclear plant disasters occur. But the truth is that a virus like COVID-19 can be as disruptive and destructive as any natural disaster. Companies at all times need to have a sound DRBC plan in place, which starts, as always, with awareness. Then, a dedicated team which is supported by SOPs and telecommunication. For example, cloud-based subscriptions infrastructure to maintain the business information flow and provide access to corporate or factory information to all employees anywhere and at any time. The businesses who can, and many do, emerge out of a crisis situation are those who plan for their worst-case scenarios, who simulate response strategies for all possible cases, ask difficult questions, identify key people to lead the firefight, and establish critical processes and financial solutions to implement them in real time. Any sense of complacency, however, tends to get punished in the most unlikely circumstances, which is why being prepared is oftentimes the best line of defense. As Camus quite prophetically notes in The Plague, that the plague bacillus never dies or vanishes entirely, that it can remain dormant for dozens of years, that it waits patiently in bedrooms, cellars, trunks, handkerchiefs, and old papers. And that perhaps the day will come when, for the instruction or misfortune, the plague will rouse its rats and send them to die in some well-contented city. Drive your business strategies with the Corporate Magazine. Now available in quarterly digital and print issues throughout Europe and Asia Pacific. Order your free copy on www.thecorporate.com or get featured by getting in touch with contact at thecorporate.com.